we're recognizing that everything in the Christian life is is shaped by uh, Scripture. And, you know, I love Calvin's metaphor that Scripture is our spectacles through which we see everything. But we're going to need to read and learn from the best of, of folks out there who, are, who have done responsible scholarship research. And in order to develop an approach to psychology, a Christian psychology that is as faithful as we can come up with down here to God's understanding and heart. So we need all the sources of knowledge that we can avail ourselves of to do that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Theologian Show. Today, we have part two of our conversation with Dr. Eric Johnson of Houston Baptist University on spiritual formation. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one of our conversation, I encourage you to go give that a look. It's the episode immediately previous to this one. But without further ado, let's get right back into our conversation where we left off last week. Tell us how your own uh, work in therapy, not as a therapist, but in therapy, I assume you have done some work over the years. You yeah. alluded to that a little bit. Yep. How has that informed and shaped your approach to doing the work you do now, teaching yeah. Christian psychology? And maybe even bear, bear a little bit of your soul for us, yeah. if you would, Eric. Oh, I don't mean, I don't yeah. mean yeah. All, all your deepest and darkest secrets, but help, uh, help us yeah. see the connection between sort of your own story, yeah. growing as a person and integration and redemptive integration, as you would put it. Yes, yes. Well, um, and, yeah. and, and then your work. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've, I've, I've referred to a lot of it. I think around the time I left uh, Northwestern and, and, and the Twin Cities, was when I, you know, I had I had done some therapy with with uh, a Christian uh, who was a, a therapist, and but it was great, and it was the beginning of me to recognize I need more of this. And so when when I was in Louisville, off and on, I've I've had seasons of therapy with different therapists, some Christian, some not, and um, and again, I. I uh, Every time I've gone, it's been revelatory. Yes, uh, and that maybe you know maybe I you know I wouldn't say with a capital R you know yeah, yeah. but but definitely with a small R where the Lord used the, my time with another human being with insight to help me gain awareness and understanding of the complex ways in which I deceive myself and myself and others. So I, you know, I probably the biggest changes was toward, you know, in, in my relationship with my wife, where I, over time, I, I was less and less of a, uh, of her enemy and more mm. and more became her compadre. And, you know, we still mm. fight, you know, oh, honestly yeah. Yeah. and struggle in some ways, but, but we love each other in a, in a more full and whole way than we ever have. And, and, um, and it's just so much better than it was. And we both say that. And she's she's been my ch you know she's been very good to me. Um, I, similarly, though, you know, looking back, I was really hard on my kids. Mm. But given my own background, I was inconsistently, a, you know, I was kind of like an inconsistent fundamentalist when, when they were young. <laughs> and that's that's almost it's worse than being talk about a an fundamentalist. oxymoron. Yeah, exactly. Inconsistent fundamentalist, right? Because you know, a strong, fun, a consistent fundamentalist is going to do some good things because yes, they're going to provide a lot of structure, you yeah, know, yeah. And, that, and that's good for a kid. But when it's inconsistent, that makes it more less predictable and and hard. So sometimes I'd be rigid. Sometimes I would unnerving for off. kids. It's, it's 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 hard for kids to know where yeah. they're at. So our kids grew up in a Christian home that was 
complicated. Mm. Um, I, I, I lectured them. Um, you know, I remember, you know, times when our, when, you know, either one of my kids would be crying and I'd be mm. telling them, you know, that they needed to repent or whatever. And, um, so, uh, you know, through these experiences and, and just seeing my kids' faces and recognizing, you know, what I was doing was not working as they, especially when mm. they got into the teenage years, that was, that They're was. They're becoming more emotionally aware. Yes. Yeah. And dialed in. And, That's right. And, and, um, so that, that combined with then seeing a therapist, I mean, really my wife and my kids were the great mirrors, <laughs> yeah. um, as well as my, my, uh, you know, therapist that I had seen. Uh, but, but, but again, please keep in mind, I've been reading the Bible my whole life since I was 18. Uh, you know, I, the Lord has helped me be pretty consistent about an hour a day with yeah. him. And, and I love the scriptures and I love theology and I love Christian devotional writing. And so that also has been the mirror yeah. of my soul, as yeah. James puts, yes. puts it. And it's really all of these influences together that the Lord kind of over, increasingly, it, 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 it started to come together for me in my, in my 50s. I, I used to say my 50s were my best decade. And and now I'm saying my 60s, I'm 62. <laughs> it's like, and and that I'm I'm feeling it. Um, and and so um, yeah, those, those would be That's you know marvelous. some of the main things. You know, I remember, that, by the way, I remember uh, one of my first interactions with you up uh, at Bethlehem when I was on staff a as, memory as, as, as a college. You know, almost 20 years ago now. And uh, you, th this was back in the days when you know it was much smaller than it is now. And uh, it was a pastoral staff meeting. There was only about seven or eight people. And you gave the devotional hmm. that day. And we sat around. You remember that little office that we used to sit yeah. in? And it was around this little table. It was a teeny little packed in. Tom Steller and David Livingston, so on and so forth. And you gave a devotional on, um, I forget which chapter out of John's gospel. I think you moved in a number of different chapters. But you were, I'll just put it this way, you were reveling in the the. Um, the relationship between the father and the son as Jesus that. describes it. And I just remember I being remember so that. taken with that and so appreciating wow. you as you were reflecting on that and and um, sort of getting lost in uh, the, the, the language of scripture and the, you know, the intra-Trinitarian relationship between father and son and spirit. And it's, I just remember being really encouraged by it's that. So, so. It's so amazing that you would bring that up because I, I go, you know, since then, you know, when I was at Southern, of course, the Trinity opened up to me in a much, uh, much fuller way. And yeah. my last book, God and Soul Care, I would say is a very Trinitarian. I, yes. I, I really tried to shape it as a Trinitarian book. But that was my awakening. Huh. I think of it now, and this is following Kierkegaard, because he, he distinguishes two kinds of religiousness, religiousness one and religiousness two. Religiousness one is theism, religiousness two is Trinitarian theism that requires an atonement. And uh, I see that that was my awakening into the Trinity in an experiential way. Of course, yes. I believe the Trinity. Maybe that's Christian. what I was picking up on, Eric, yeah. was this was so experiential yeah. for you. I mean, I use the word reveling. You didn't give a devotional. You were reveling yeah. in the Father, Son, and Spirit as revealed in and through Scripture. And that was that, that was very, very moving yeah, it, to you me. Know, I wouldn't want to call it a conversion per se, but it, but yeah. it was a kind of Small C conversion. Small C. And I think our, the Christian life is supposed to be Yes, of, of yes, many yes. of those, and yeah. that was one. So how wonderful yeah. for you to remind well, me yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, well, um, so, oh, Zach was going to be surprised it's taken this long in the conversation 
and I've not yet asked you because this is an, an interest for both of us, um, your Enneagram type. We might have to edit this from the podcast, but are you a five in the Enneagram or a six? I, uh, let me think. I, I, so Observer it, or loyalist or? I most recently <laughs> with the Wagner, yes. my highest number was a five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. But you know, I, gee, the la- just so happens the last year I've kind of thrown myself into the Enneagram. Yes. And I'm working on We're going to have to have you back for a whole other podcast. I would, I would love that. I would Man, love that. Maybe Ben Masson. Todd would love nothing us. more. No, seriously. We're, we'll than have to. to do an entire episode on the Enneagram. <laughs> Todd, could do, Todd could do 10 episodes. And I'm feeling it, you know, because I mean, I've really enjoyed this journey. You mean you're feeling your fiveness? You're no, feeling. No, I'm sorry. I'm feeling the love for the Enneagram? Love for it and the desire to, you know, to unpack it because, it, you know, it's both as everything is. It's complicated because there's there's incredible strengths that I'm very appreciative of. Yes. But there's a number of some squirreliness. There's have, some squirreliness that have developed, you know, over the years of its use. And and anyway, I'm I'm curious. What is your explanation or guess as to why this is so mm-hmm. incredibly popular in evangelical mm-hmm. circles right now? Like it's just pastors and sermons. I'm curious, what is it that we aren't doing well or hadn't been doing well that the Enneagram is kind of like slotting in and filling in a gap on mm-hmm. uh, just because everyone's loving Yeah, it. Well, I have to have to guess at this. You know, it'd be nice to do some research maybe on this, but mm-hmm. um, my intuitions would be that there's something uh, number one, I think it is a good typology. The nine types are a good typology. Uh, and a lot of people feel identified by yes. one or, or, you know, one at least one of them. Like seen. Seen. And, yeah. and so rather than just the kind of the generic Christians are like this, it's like, well, there's nine kinds of ways in which human beings are. And it gives a sense of, uh, of a personalizing that, yeah. that fits in well, I think, with a strong doctrine of creation that, that, there, that created differences are a good thing. And, and our personality type or style is a good thing that God has built into the human race to, for the sake of diversity, a healthy kind of diversity. So there's that part of it. But what I think is also the case, the way that the best Enneagram authors write is that um, – what the, the way that they're crafting it is it's not just personality but it's 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 characterological it's about your moral character and mm. the deficits in your moral character and that's mm. very important in the christian yeah. scheme of things so to be able to understand what are my vulnerabilities we all have sin but what are my specific kinds of temptations based on the kind of or related to the kind of personality that I have. And the best Enneagram literature will address that. And that's, I think, extremely helpful. It it gives a kind of traction for what to look for, what to be aware of that helps people to work with that. Can you just map out for us what are the three or four or five ways that Christians tend to approach psychology. You know, it's like one of those, you go to the mall and you're a little bit lost and you look at the map and there's the, you are here. So do a, you are here for Eric Johnson in light of the, the broader perspective on how people are approaching Christianity and psychology. I think, you know, maybe just to simplify, I might just boil it down to three. One side would be science only, and they would define the science of psychology as not being appropriate to talk about biblical and theological material because that's a different. This is kind of empiricist or what we would call secular 
Yeah, pretty much an, an endorsing of the of the rules of psychology yes. as they as they kind of methodological exist. naturalism Method, sort of methodological thing. naturalism, and we play by those rules. And, yeah. and you know, the best of them who are Christians influence. Uh, you know, you can see Christian influence in their writings. They'll quote yes. a C.S. Lewis. They'll yes. they'll do research on gratitude. You know, but they won't talk about God. And but 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 it'll get published. And I'm I think that's strategic. I, I, I'm all in favor of that. Let's let's have as much influence as we can, and let's let's play by the rules to have that influence as much as we can but uh, but I, that isn't the only way to do psychology and that isn't that isn't the best way that Christians should think about doing psychology mm. within the kingdom of God we, we, you know that may be strategic to have an influence in the world but but the kingdom of God's going to have a different uh, uh, approach mm -hmm. and I think ought to so at Christian colleges and universities Christian counseling centers Christian publishing houses that we ought to be articulating a very different a yeah. model of psychology and counseling that's grounded in a Christian worldview and that takes the scriptures as foundationally serious. You don't support methodological naturalism, obviously. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I just read a wonderful book by a Christian psychologist researcher where he talks about um, theis, uh, methodological theism. Oh, nice. It's wonderful. Nice. What, what he's done is, is, is extraordinarily And insightful. did you pick this up from your Reformed tradition, influence yeah. of that, and Calvin College and Alvin Plantinga, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, yes. This is the... the, the there's a different. Well, Christians ought not to Just subscribe to methodological naturalism, exactly. whether in biology or this hard sciences or or psychology. Et we have to develop our own rules for yes. research, for scholarship, okay. rules of discourse yep. okay. that uh, comport with a Christian framework or Christian worldview. So, science only is kind of the 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 one. Yep. And then moving across. So the other extreme would be uh, focus on counseling. Uh, and would say that uh, in counseling for Christians, we don't need psychology. We only need the Bible because mm. the Bible is God's soul care book, and He and it's given God's given us everything we need to know. That you know the phrase sufficiency, sufficiency of scripture. Yeah. Scripture is the one that's often used, and there's a there's a coherence to that. Um, and, and, you know, there, but again, there's a spectrum and so I don't mm -hmm. want to, you know, typecast. There's a lot of people that use the word biblical counseling and there's a variety it a, among, that's that, helpful among to know. that group, but there's a middle group and there's some biblical counselors in there. There's some integrationists in there. One of the labels that fit in this middle group would be spiritual formation. Okay. Another, another, uh, label would be Christian psychology. And that's the one that I own now. And so, in this middle area, what we're doing is we're saying we want it all. Uh, we, we believe <laughs> this is best of all possible well, worlds. I, of this course, is, I, of is course I, I, you know, I set it up that way, right? Yes, of course. Uh, to, to favor my approach, but this is the golden mean, right? Right? No, Bible, it. pro science. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's that. You know, it, really that. That that is, I think, this idea of of embracing the dialectic of the yeah. word of God and the word of of nature, uh, create the two books and the yes. Belgic Confession, uh, Common Grace and the Antithesis, where we're 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 recognizing that everything in the Christian life is is shaped by uh, Scripture, and you know I love Calvin's metaphor that Scriptures are spectacles through mm. which we see everything, but we're going to need to read and learn from the best. Of of, of folks out there who are who have done responsible scholarship research, and in order to develop an approach to psychology, a Christian psychology that is as faithful as we can come up with down here to God's understanding and heart, 
And so we need all the sources of knowledge that we can avail ourselves of to do that and to take every that thought captive to Christ and, and reading it through a biblical lens. But um, that, so that would be kind of- the And how do the folks on the one, on both ends of the spectrum view y'all who want to position yourself in the middle? Yeah, particularly so, when you seem to you you're you you're you're having the best of all possible worlds approach. <laughs> course, what, who who, who would not think that was a good idea? Yeah. What, so, what do the the science only folks say? Hey, the, you know the Christian psychology approach is 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 not going to work for X reasons. For a number of reasons, they would say number one, you're 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 disob you're breaking the rules of good research. Okay. Empirical research requires that you not make reference to supernatural entities that we can't measure. This is the scientific method for it's after the all. scientific method and. Uh, you know, there's not an. I don't think they're there's they're aware of the philosophy of science under undergirding that. But uh, that's you know, there there's that. And then there's also why would you want to marginal live a marginalized life? Don't you want to be in the center of what's happening yeah. in the science of psychology? Get your uh, articles and research published in the peer-reviewed yes, yeah, journals, yeah. etc. Yeah, and I my you know my uh, uh, the Christian friend that I alluded to, Paul Watson, who's a Christian psychology researcher who has published widely in in every area. He would he would say, Eric, we have to be careful. In Christian psychology to avoid a ghettoization of what we're doing. And, uh, you know, he, to his credit, fair he's, point. he, uh, fair point, I, I want to concede that. So on the, on the other side, there, there is a, a deep worry of syncretism. Uh, there, yeah. There's no question that, and this I learned from Jay Adams and I, I still hold to it, there's no question but that modern psychotherapy is an alternative religious system working itself out in the formation of souls. And but where the self is the center of the yes. universe, it is, a, it is a secular universe. And that's, that's uh, I agree with that. I think, um, so, so the concern I share, the, and the issue then becomes, well, can we appropriate the legitimate findings of, of the science of psychology and the findings of psychotherapy mm. into a Christian model without compromise? Yes. And, you know, I think that's a, that's a and fair question. And you want to say yes. Yeah, we. Well, I want to say we can messy, do that. Messy, complicated. But but I want to say, but we got to do it. Yeah. We, we to be responsible to God, we have to do it. So that would be my my response. Though I, I totally respect the concern, and uh, and and I'm open to being called and questioned at any particular thing I say in print or mm. publicly, because uh, I because I we we need to be aware. We in fact we need the voice of of both folks on the extremes. I think to help sharpen us to make sure we don't fall into error on, on the opposite extreme. You mentioned, but is part. Of of the part of the concern on the call it the 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 biblical counseling end of the spectrum, the deeply secular nature of modern psychology, and combined with the massively massive influence of psychology on in in American culture and in the church, kind of the combination of those two things is that that's part of the angst. Is that right? Absolutely. It's an enormous problem. I mean, every movie that comes out, every movie by Disney, you know, has an importing of yeah. deep, autocentric, self, you know, narcissistic kind of assumptions built into the the, the narrative. And um, we have to be vigilant. We need to be wise and 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 uh, critique uh, these uh, forces, sources of influence. 
Hey everybody, just a quick note about our annual conference here at the Center for Pastor Theologians. This year's topic is Techne, a Christian vision of technology. And we will be hosting this conference in Chicago on October 14th to 16th, 2019. We have a lot of great speakers lined up, including Andy Crouch, Pastor Charlie Dates, Karen Swallow Pryor, and a great lineup of pastors, scholars, academic theologians, and sociologists, as well as tech experts. It's going to be a great set of conversations, and I encourage you to go to our conference website, cptconference.com, to learn more and to register. Let's get right back into our conversation with Eric Johnson on spiritual formation and pastoral ministry. So the, the massive influence at the popular level in, in, in movies and et cetera, et cetera. In the academic guild, though, it's fairly... I mean, the rules are established and you don't violate the rules. And I mean, what I'm thinking of here is Christian Smith's uh, sociology, The Sacred Project of Sociology. Do you know this book? book? Absolutely amazing and and revelatory. Yeah. With a small r, revelatory. Yeah. What, yeah. But, I, but, I, but I would imagine secular psychology works just like secular sociology. And his point is that this is a... This is a pseudo-religion. This is a sacred project. I've got to think psychology works the same way, which would give Absolutely. any Christian a little anxiety. This is yeah. this is a serious force, as it were. Yeah, no, what a great book. And, I, and every human science and, and, hum, and humanities discipline ought to have its own, you know, accounting yeah. of the secular revolution, which he edited a wonderful book in 2003 that— called the secular revolution. And he just documented that revolution, that transition from a theistic worldview to a naturalistic worldview in, in the study of sociology, his own discipline. So yeah, we, we could do that in psychology. Um, and, and so the, you know, you know, the problem is great. What I want to do with, with Robert, 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 yes. sorry, Robert, Robert, C. Stephen Evans, uh, and folks like that is, is say, you know, there, there, we, the Christian worldview had its own psychology. It's found uh, in scripture. It's found in the great We have some resources in the great Augustine tradition. And, and yeah. Bonaventure and uh, Calvin Edwards and so on that, that give us uh, the opportunity to retrieve and reinvest in our own tradition to make sense of what's a Christian anthropology, what's a Christian understanding of human beings or problems and the solution in order to uh, provide that foundation for doing our own research and ultimately continue testing the uh, the ownership of the field of psychology by secularism. So yes. I've just started in the last four years going back to my, my guild, APA, the American Psychological Association. And so the last two times I went, I gave papers and participated in seminars on worldview and psychology, worldview and psychotherapy. Oh, wow. And How was it received? Wonderfully. In my, in my division. That's interesting. The division that I'm a, a mem- one of the divisions I'm a member of. And by of, the way, j- just to clarify, you took a, you took a long hiatus yeah, I just, from, from APA. I felt I, I, I was a member, but I didn't go because I didn't. Just busy I, doing it. I mean, kind of well, engaging your work. Honestly, I was focused on the church. Yes. I made a conscious decision to, uh, and because I didn't think my work could be taken seriously at that time, you know, okay. during the 90s, 80s, 90s, and, and, the, and the first 10, uh, 10 years of the 21st century by mainstream psychology. So I just I just kind of let them do their thing. I, of course, continued to read their, uh, their stuff and would still use their text 
you know, in, in classes where it was appropriate. While I focused on the church and writing for the church and mm. trying to help develop a Christian psychology, that's that was my calling. That's that's what I devoted myself to. But now at this stage of my career, things have changed a lot in mm. our culture and in the in the in the in the science of psychology. So that, for example, the word religious diversity is now a, a phrase that you that is talked about, published even uh, in in APA uh, journals and books. And it, it, and so there's an openness now that there wasn't. The kind of influence of postmodernism yeah. and pluralism has created it's, a little space for you to be back at the table. It's ironic, but but postmodernism actually has can has served the church in this in this area. And so there's an openness in my division, philosophical theoretical psychology, to talk about worldview matters. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for part three of our conversation with Eric Johnson. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Uh, Anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. Uh, The CPT podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.